0: Hello and welcome to The Fincher Takes It All, a brand new limited series podcast that celebrates and reflects on the filmography of director David Fincher ahead of the release of his next movie, Mank. I'm your host, Emily Murray, and today I'm joined by film journalist Dan Jolin to discuss Fincher's iconic 1999 movie, Fight Club. Yes, we are breaking the first two rules. The film follows an insomniac office worker and a devil-maker, care soap maker, as they form an underground fight club that evolves into something much, much more. Me and Dan discuss the analysis of consumerism, where modern context brings anything new to Fight Club, how Marla Singer is the unsung hero, and much more. But first, here's a clip. Every week, Tyler gave the rules that he and I decided. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club.
1: The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is, You do not talk about fight club. Third rule of fight club. Someone yells stop, goes limp, taps out, the fight is over. Fourth rule, only two guys to a fight. Fifth rule, one fight at a time, fellas. Sixth rule, no shirts, no shoes. Seventh rule, fights will go on as long as they have to. And the eighth and final rule. This is your first night at Fight Club. You have to
0: fight. Hello, Dan, and welcome to The Fincher Takes It All. How are you today?
1: I'm fine, thanks, Emily, actually. Uh, you know, considering we're, we're, we're at the time of recording, we're just a <laughs> few days away from lockdown two, electric boogaloo. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, the sun is currently shining where I am mm. um, here in the Chiltern Hills so uh so yeah things, things things are pretty good considering it's Monday as
0: well <laughs> yeah Monday afternoon lockdown looms yeah. but um we don't have we don't have a sunshine here but the sun never shines in Manchester it rains continually which I feel like fits in with Fincher by the way because he loves a bit of rain he does um so we're going to talk about fight club today we are breaking the rules um mm. which obviously we have to make that joke. yeah the first two rules <laughs> um, I think we're breaking. <laughs> But before we get into Fight Club, I just want to tell us a bit about yourself and what you do.
1: Well, I am, well, I'm currently a uh, contributing editor to Empire magazine and also uh, I am the editor in chief of Senate magazine Um, and those two magazines pretty much sum up my two big loves in life, which are movies and board games. Um, and actually, there's a little board game connection with 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 Fincher, funnily enough. Uh, well, I, it's just just a little one, a little tiny one. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, when when you get to Gone Girl, which uh, uh, I believe you must be covering, there's there's actually um, yes very obviously in the background of one of the scenes there, uh, or, or in one of the scenes there is Game of Life features. There's a scene with the with a garage where you see in the background. There's all these things that he's been bought. And, and they yeah. include quite a few board games as well. So you know, there's, I'm not quite sure how that happened. But uh, sorry, <laughs> mad tangent. Sorry, too early, too early in the chat for a, for a mad tangent. <laughs> but yes, so I do both those things. I'm a freelance writer writing about board game and film. That's that's that's
0: pretty much it. And I suppose, you know, expect many more mad tangents of during this podcast as we talk about Fincher and Fight Club. Um, When I emailed you, I was like, are you a Fincher fan? I was like, I think you are. And you said you are a Fincher fan. I suppose let's just talk quickly about why, you know, as a director, he appeals to you.
1: Fincher is, well, he's part of that wave that hit in the 90s, um, which uh, I think they've been summed up in, uh, in, in a lot of different ways, but I always think of them. There was a great book about that era called, uh, like, The Kids on the Backlot, uh, and he's, like, one of mm. one of the kids on the backlot. He came into uh, cinema from music videos, um, mm. and he's one of those directors who's about the style as much as, as the substance, like, they really bringing a real visual... Uh, rigor and, 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 and zing, if you like, uh, to everything that, that, that they do. Um, and it kind of ties into where sort of like visual effects had got to a point where you could do things with a camera that you could never do before. Uh, and that's one thing Fincher does brilliantly is his, his use of visual effects, not so much to you know create worlds or creatures or anything like that but just to take the camera places that, that you've never seen it go before and, and 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 to mess with what you're seeing in a way that you've never seen before um and and all of that comes from his music video background i think of just doing really punchy visual experiences um i also like fincher because he's kind of a um What's 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 the right word? Sorry, the words the words one of those it's one of those words that's on the tip of your tongue. But he's one of those. (laughs) Bright isn't the right word. But he's a a provocateur, really. He's he's kind of uh, yeah.
0: He likes to cause a reaction. Yes,
1: exactly. He's sort of one of those one of those guys. He's he's a bit cheeky, uh, you know, (laughs) but in really in in a really (laughs) intelligent way. He kind of likes to push buttons um and I was at the exact right age for that I mean I was 25 when Fight Club came out um mm. so slap bang right in the middle of my 20s and yeah
0: my age now actually oh. mid-20s well, there, so. there you
1: go it's, <laughs> it's another mirror like like we had when we talked about uh The Dark Knight um yeah, yeah but uh but yeah and 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 I'd seen I'd seen seven obviously a few years before and and I'd re- I remember going to the cinema to see Seven thinking it was just going to be some crappy horror film. Some crappy like, there's a guy who kills people according to the Seven Deadly Sins. This will be, this'll be <laughs> brilliantly rubbish kind of a thing. And it was just like, we came out mm. afterwards going, wow, what was that? <laughs> um, so he had my attention from that. Although I saw Alien 3 at the cinema uh, when it came out opening weekend and liked it. So uh, I even like you know the the Fincher film that Finch himself doesn't like. Um, yeah. So I mean I don't like it now as much as I liked it then, but um, I've kind of you know I, I've I've grown older and, and smarter and, and wiser. I like to think. But um, but yeah, he's, he's he so he came at just the right time for me, and and he was just like one of those filmmakers where I just went, I don't just get this guy. This guy gets me. <laughs> You know, that's that's that solipsistic kind of like it's all about me, sort of the universe revolves around (laughs) me, kind of thing. But it it was a little bit like that. It was just like we've got we've got a connection. There's a there's a viewer filmmaker connection happening here, and and to bring it to Fight Club, that Fight Club is peak Fincher, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's where. Everything just comes together in that film. Just like the, the sense of humour that he has, the, the sense of visual style that he has, uh, you know, his view of the world, uh, or at least presenting a, a really interesting view of the world and of people, mm. and of an entire generation, which I am very much part of. Generation X, yes, that's me. Sorry, everyone, it's my fault. Um, <laughs> we, we should have done something about those boomers, but we didn't. We were too busy having fun um yeah. you know so that yeah, kind of like hey the, the the cold war's over 9-11 hasn't happened yet everyone party um with those guys um and and but fight club is is very much about that it is it is generation x is and i'm not the first person to say this i'm being completely sententious but uh it is it is generation generation x is rebel without a cause it is generation x is yeah. It defines us in a lot of ways. And while I didn't really think that or register that at the time, now I look back, I can really see it.
0: Mm. Mm. Did you see um, Fight Club in cinemas as well? Because I imagine that was, you know, quite quite the experience, especially since I felt that like there's so much sort of hype around it, especially after Seven.
1: Yeah, it was... It was. I actually saw it at a press screening, so I was already working as, as, as a journalist at the time. I was In 1999, I was the reviews editor of uh, Total Film magazine, so I saw it at a press screening. I wasn't exactly clear on what to expect because I hadn't read the book, and I decided not mm. to read the book because I knew Fincher was making a film of it because I, I kind of don't like doing that. You know, that sort of thing you go and you go, oh, you know, I haven't read that. Let's go. See. And then you see the film and it's just a bit like you feel like you know what's going to happen, even if it's one where yeah. things change quite a bit. It just feels too familiar. So I didn't I, I deliberately chose not to do that. And I've still never read the book, funnily enough.
0: Yeah, I haven't either. Just thinking about it. So it should be on my list. Yeah, well,
1: I no offense to, to Chuck. Well, I'm not sure how you pronounce the surname. I, I've i heard. No, I heard people pronounce it as Paul Neok. But I look at it and I just see Polanyiuk, so I'm going to say that sounds about yeah, right. To be honest, yeah, I, I'm going to say mm-hmm. Polanyiuk. So I, I I've uh, no offence to Chuck Polanyiuk, but I kind of felt the film was all I needed. I just felt that's enough.
0: He says himself, the film's better than a book. Well, there you go. So there you go, there, smart yeah. man, smart that's man, really. <laughs> um,
1: So I didn't know really what to expect, other than I'd seen fincher do something really you know impressively extreme with the serial killer genre uh with seven i'd seen the game and i didn't dig it that much i revisited recently and liked it more recently but at the time the game felt a little bit like kind of like ooh, twisty thriller by numbers in a way it's sort of like uh, yeah, but i think i
0: think especially after seven especially
1: mm. after seven i mean in you know in a sense it's kind of like there's a Great line of Fight Club about we are the middle children of history. It's almost like the the, the game is the middle child between Seven and Fight Club,
0: um, so it gets, <laughs> yeah. gets
1: lost in that mix. But so, so, so I kind of read about Fight Club, and most of the things I read about it really only focused on the Fight Club element of Fight Club,
0: which is about a third of the film, I would yes, say, and probably the least interest i mean it's all very interesting as we'll delve into but it's also the least interesting part i would say the actual fight in itself Mm. i so i just
1: purely thought the whole film was about the fight clubs that it was you know it was about this guy edward norton who discovers this underground world of men beating the crap out of each other um and, and imagined it as being some kind of maybe almost a bit sports movieish in some way like a thriller meets a sports movie like okay he gets involved in this and what he rises up through the ranks or something and where you know that that just do you see what i kind of that's what i was imagining
0: like underground yeah, boxing, almost, almost, way, yeah, yeah. almost
1: like you know karate kid but for for 20 somethings <laughs> uh but topless men in basements uh so it, so and, and, and i know and i'd read that it was extremely violent as well which which didn't surprise me having seen Sam. it's called
0: fight club it's called fight as well,
1: Club. So. so i was expecting something a lot more more gritty and straightforward and I was expecting to be more kind of like shocked by the violence. I wasn't shocked by the violence, ultimately. Uh, but what I got was this amazing, freewheeling, expansive, really interesting, really hard to pin down experience, which seemed to be actually this is more of a comedy um, than mm. anything else, and I was not expecting that. I mean, I kind of got a clue from the advertising that used the soap, the bar of soap.
0: Yeah, the main poster as yeah. well, isn't it? The pink soap. And I
1: should have kind of. I, I was a little bit confused by the pink soap, and I, I saw the public announcement, viral marketing things, which which Fincher was very keen on the film being marketed this way, and ultimately it wasn't, but they got out there. And I, so I should, mm. I, I kind of should have had some clues, but. It just started doing all these things, almost like the film almost has like lots of little sketches. It's almost a sketch show in some weird way of like these great things. Like here's the gag about the um, what's doing in emergency cards, the emergency card things on planes, you know, just a little gag about yeah. that. And then, OK, here's here's some gags about, uh, you know, uh, therapy support groups and what have you. And, you know, and here's a talking penguin. And, um, you know, just <laughs> kind of. Like, yes, exactly. I, I love the penguin. <laughs> slide um anyway and 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 it just goes and it kept doing all these things and you know I kind of grew up loving I love Monty Python you know I I love I love watching Monty Python films which a lot of the time were just like a series of sketches threaded together and everything and mad things would happen and it would cut to animation and then it would come back over there and and it kind of almost, it, 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 there's almost a Python-esque vibe to Fight Club as well hmm. in that sense. And, okay, you know, it doesn't disappear on a cut to animation, but as we just mentioned, the talking penguin. And you kind of, you've got that kind of thing, which, which or all these kinds of things, which are just thrown in there and, and, and in a way that it really gels, which is actually quite hard to do, Um so in that sense, I'm sorry for calling it almost like a sketch show because that makes it sound like it doesn't gel well. It does gel well. It's absolutely brilliant in that sense that it pulls it all together. So watching it for that first time, I was I, I was on a... Mm, I'm going to use the worst cliche to describe a film is describing it, <laughs> is to describe it as a, as a theme park ride,
0: OK? Oh, here we go.
1: <laughs> it's not a theme park ride. It's the whole fucking theme park.
0: That is very good. That's very smart, Dan. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was, I would say it is a theme park vibe, right? but when you say it is the whole fucking theme park, yeah. no, yeah. it is. You're there, yeah. I, you're, you're I at you...
1: Thorpe Park, you've got your ticket for the day, you, you can go on what you like, you're running around, you're whatever. Yeah. You're going on yeah. fast
0: lane for everything as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. It's so, really fast, fast lane. Snap.
1: That film is so snappy. So, you know, everything just like boom, 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 boom. It just whips along. But yeah, it's it's whatever. It's 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 the teacup ride. It's a roller coaster. It's it's the the, the you know, whatever the ghost house. It's
0: yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's all these things. See, I think it's interesting what you were saying about the sort of expectations around it, because obviously I watched it uh, a lot later. Um, it's one of those films. I think either either my dad showed it to me when I was definitely too young to watch it, and he got told off by my mum, <laughs> or Good dad. I watched it. Yeah, he also showed me Matrix and Alien when I was definitely too young. So he's used to blame for my film yeah. love, I suppose. But um, all I watched at university, but it was one of those things that I felt that like around teenagers at the time, like everyone knew about Fight Club and everyone's like, you have to watch Fight Club Emily. And, but, and the, the expectations even then, like 10 years after it came out, was that it was about fighting still. And as you said, like, I thought, I expected it to be like, an underground boxing ring and yeah. you know, literally just about a tournament, like a fight tournament. So it was interesting that those sort of expectations like stayed despite the fact like everyone knew by then about the twist and how surreal it was. So when I went, sorry, I saw it um just like on the TV, I think one day, um like it even like took my breath away because it wasn't what I expected at all. Like it was a lot more surreal mm. and that's why I loved it. And then I luckily saw it in a big screen last year because i think the cinemas did like a 20th anniversary like re-release and it's even better obviously on the big screen but yeah it's interesting that i think those expectations which was from the marketing like it still sort of stayed with it like i didn't know anything about it except for it's violent it's about fighting brad pitt's great in it and i knew that it was a twist but it wasn't a twist i was expecting which is good i suppose yeah
1: yeah it's, it's i wasn't expecting the twist either um that was, I mean, ninety nine was was a good good year for twists, for uh, <laughs> twist endings. Um, you, you had uh, you had the sixth sense. I'm yes. not going to spoil it, just mm. in case.
0: I think we can spoil Fight Club. So I hope anyone listening to this has obviously seen Fight Club. Yeah. I feel like it's one. Of, I don't think I've met a human who hasn't seen okay, it. Yet, okay. Okay.
1: So. Well, honestly, if you've not already <laughs> seen Fight Club, what are you doing listening? To this now, yeah, exactly. it's almost like this is your chance, okay? This is your chance. <laughs> Go away now, watch it, and then come back from um, whatever fifteen odd minutes and, and, and carry on. Um, but uh, the other one, it's actually a twist ending. I should actually is the is the Matrix, which which actually did a visit twist at the end of the first act.
0: oh 99 was yeah. a good year for film. Really? No, ninety nine
1: was possibly the best year for film. Uh, being John Malkovich was ninety nine as well. Uh, Election was 1999 as well.
0: Election's a good a movie. movie. That was when my lockdown watchers had seen so before. So good. And again, as a film,
1: <laughs> like Fight Club, it's not about what you think it's about.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, very different. It's like, oh, some high school movie did it. No. It's about it's just about <laughs> politics. Um, but anyway, um, and then Fight Club, of course. And I and I was just spoiled that year. But I, you would have thought by the time I got to Fight Club, which was late in the year, that um that it would have been like uh you know another you know there's going to be a twist there's got to be a twist they keep coming um but I, it it works it really works mm. this this idea because you actually go back and you check it um so here's the twist the narrator is Tyler Durden there you go <laughs> um got that no out one there. saw it coming yeah no if, one saw it if saw
0: it, saw it come, if someone claims I saw it coming they are a liar. <laughs> or they are just a genius, I suppose. But I don't believe anyone who says they saw it coming. Because it is, as you sort of said, it's so well hidden. But also, on a second watch, it's so obvious. Which is what makes it even more beautiful, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. You never see the two of them side by side in a group shot. So when, any, exactly. when anyone else is looking at them, you only see one or the other. And you only see them together when it's just them. So... Yeah that works
0: and it's stuff like marla says like i don't even know like who you are at the moment and like all the clues Hmm. are there it's just and i said they're not even too well hidden it's just i don't think you naturally would like pick up on it until Hmm. i suppose it's revealed to you
1: i loved it it's one of my uh, colleagues at the time uh back when i was working on total film all those years ago uh joked that it was uh it was the film was basically calvin and Hobbes. Um, now, I'm not sure whether that they came out with it themselves or they heard it from someone else, but it was one <laughs> of those things. So, yeah, it's Calvin and Hobbes. So the narrator is Calvin and Tyler Durden is Hobbes. And and I, I kind of like that. <laughs> <It's> kinda, mm. <laughs> you know, like the the, the imaginary tiger that, that's getting the kid into trouble and everything like that. Yeah. And, and they keep and they fight uh, a lot in the Calvin and Hobbes strip. So um, so that was kind of a, a, a nice reading. I, I like that. But um, but yeah, that whole that whole thing. And also is there from from the very, very opening because the the opening sequence of the film is, is, again, one of the best opening sequences of any film. Uh, the type the, the the credits I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: he's good at credits. Yeah. Fincher is. It's yeah. the same in seven. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. But um, you're in your insight starts inside the narrator's brain. Mm. so there's your first clue right there why are we in his brain why are we tracking around his brain and then we coming out of the brain and where are we going back along the gun to who's on the other side of the gun so it's so you, you you're basically being told visually at the very start of that film it's all in his head the guy holding the gun is in his head um so yeah it's 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 it's, it's and, it, and it's, all, it's to be honest, other films do the same thing: have characters yeah. that aren't really there. That are you know that you have an unreliable narrator. Um, you know, uh, one example from close to the time is a beautiful mind that, that does, does the same sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you could probably go back to, to Psycho as well, of course, yeah, uh, of where course, you yeah. think it's two different people and actually it's just one person. So you know, it has it's, it's been done before and it, you know it's been done since and everything, but. It's just done so well, so well in mm. this film, and it, it works, it works, because of course, of course Tyler Durden's too good and simultaneously bad to be real, you know, of course he can't, of course he's this this uh, dreamed-up, manifested ubermensch, uh, mm. representing everything this, this guy wants to be, or thinks he wants to be, um, and, and, you know, of course, it's Brad Pitt, Nobody looks like Brad Pitt. Not even Brad Pitt looks like Brad Pitt. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I would say Brad Pitt at his finest as well. I was trying to think earlier, if there's a performance from him that I prefer or he does better than... But no, I think, for me, it's peak Brad Pitt as well. He's He is incredible as Tyler.
1: That's a good challenge. Is it <laughs> Brad Pitt's best performance? Well, considering he'd just done Meet Joe Black, that was the film we did before this. Anything. Yeah. Anything would have been a best performance after that. Not his fault. Just just, just a somnambulant movie. Um, oh, that's a good one. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember his film. Yeah. I
0: do really like him in recently, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, he's just quite fun in that. But I feel like, I don't know. He's
1: brilliant in, uh, in in Glorious Bastards as well.
0: Yes, he is. Yes.
1: Hmm. Mm, and he's amazing in Twelve Monkeys,
0: which I am yet to see. That to be fair, so oh. maybe that would uh, take it.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, that was a more <laughs> of a supporting role, though. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is definitely, certainly this, this, this is in the top three, I would say at least. So, so is it's great, and and Norton as well. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: you know, Norton. He's good at the time was i mean he got he got a lot of attention in primal fear of course um but not the biggest name certainly not you know uh lead lead actor material really um not for a for a film which and this is the other weird thing actually about about fight club you know talking about sort of like expectations because it is a studio movie this isn't an independent Mm.
0: movie (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, it's a very risky studio movie, but I do like it when they take risks.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, It was kind of... This was this was back in the... Again, this is like the 90s, like, golden era kind of thing, when studios set up, like, almost like boutique, um, indie-style sort of houses within them. Like Fox Searchlight. So, yeah, so this was Fox... Yeah. So this was Fox 2000. So it was actually... They optioned it. The, it was, the, the book was optioned within the studio for only $10,000, believe it or not. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cheap. Um, so they optioned it and the, the script was developed through the studio, within the studio. They, um, you know, they sort of like, they cast directors. They were, they were looking for, they asked Peter Jackson. He was too busy. Oh, God. Yeah, Peter yeah, Peter yeah. Jackson. He, I didn't know that. Yes, Peter Jackson was asked. Uh, Danny Boyle came close. Mm. Uh, to doing it obviously he worked with fox uh uh beforehand or around that time um and of course fincher and fox did not get on um Mm. so free yeah exactly exactly that didn't work out very well so not at all (laughs) it, it was a bit um it was a little bit like, mm, do I want to? But he really wanted to make this. He actually really, he knew the book and really wanted to do it. So it they they, they kind of, they went, oh, all right. What, what are we fighting for? You know, let's do this yeah. thing. And it's almost like Fight Club became his revenge <laughs> on, <laughs> on Fox. Um, yeah. So, uh, so so yeah, it's because it's, it, it, again, though, but this is the weird thing about it. It flopped, but it was number one at the US box office the weekend it came out.
0: Yeah, because I know that it,
1: you know, (laughs)
0: like commercially, and then it sort of became, it's one of those that flopped commercially and then came like a hit after when people sort of found it on VHS and stuff.
1: It it opened big, then it dropped off massively. Then, yeah, then when it came out on DVD in in 2000, uh, it was huge. You know, kind of, you know, made made, made tons of money, I think 6 million units or something like that, that it, it sold so well. So, um, so yeah, and it's one of those things. It's, it's yeah, those cult hit things that it's not just like mm. massive for a for a few months and then everyone just moves on with their lives. It just kind of grows and grows and stays there and grows and stays there and 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 more and more people come to appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and even now, like it's still one of those movies like everyone has to see, and I suppose it's incredibly relevant to generations now as well.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's actually funny how the the context has changed. So, at the time, and also there's a lot of people that kind of, I think I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it get it wrong. Um, no, and, I think. And, and I actually, think I don't hesitate right. to say it because most of them are, 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 are blokes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> men um, who, have, who 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 kind of take from it that whole idea of. You know, men have become soft and mollycoddled and, uh, you know, they've become emasculated by modern values or at least, you know, uh, turn of the century values mm. and just need to get back in touch with their raw, violent
0: sides, you know. It's like they got the wrong end of the stick. completely. It is, isn't it? And, and And this
1: the problem is, though, it has, you know, this is how we've gone from the amazing line. You are not a beautiful and unique snowflake to snowflake being used as a derogatory term for people who can't handle a bit of criticism or something. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that kind of like, yeah. It's kind of that a lot of stuff in Fight Club has been adopted by not very nice men. Nice um, people, though. You know, and you've also, you've got the context of the, the rise of, you know, the, well, the rise, I mean, the kind of the return of fascism in kind of a very scary way and, and popular. Pop, sorry, I can't talk today. Populism. <laughs> um and and those kind of things which which at the time fight club got some criticism got some flack in some critical quarters especially by the film critic alexander walker who uh said the film was was fascist and uh supported the fuhrer principle and utterly tore it apart for that reason he Mm -hmm. he actually thought it was it was an evil film that must be stopped and and it had that kind of clockwork orange kind of a response from some people of course fincher loved all this fincher yeah. even fincher even quotes alexander walker's review on the dvd packaging
0: yeah i mean as we said earlier he likes to get a reaction I suppose. Yeah, exactly. that's that's the you whole know. point of Fight club
1: he loved it so you've got that kind of stuff but going back to the, to the point about it feeling relevant today it's mm. it's it's more about what are we being sold, you know, as as, as human beings? What, what are we being sold, what are we being told that we should be doing with our lives? And in Fight Club, it was like Ikea catalogues and advertising and, you know, the constant, whether it's billboards or TV. And of course, that's that's now more true than ever. I mean, you know, it's, it's we, we, we live so much of our lives online. You can't go anywhere without banner ads and pop-ups and. and and images being sold to us of how we should see ourselves and what we should own and what we should be trying to get And, and it's kind of changed a little bit social media has kind of moved the parameters there a little bit in terms of it maybe it's not it's, it's not just necessarily you must buy this thing. It is this kind of, you know, you have FOMO now. You must be doing this or you must be thinking that or you must be saying this or if you're not doing this, you're missing out or you're missing a point or to do, all of these things. And you kind of like this idea that there's so much noise yeah. around us all the time playing with our expectations that we forget who we should be or what we should be doing and what we should really be valuing uh in our lives um and and so yeah so that in that sense yes it's absolutely more relevant than than ever mm. um i mean the, the thing about is this a, it, the film is a satire so of course the answer is as the people that get it wrong the answer is not to go out and beat people <laughs> consensually it, was, it feels so
0: <laughs> obvious to me as well because it like i don't i don't understand how anyone can watch that film and think well don't fight clubs look cool because they just don't <laughs> It yeah. just i find it so strange to be honest
1: yeah yeah exactly or or the whole when it turns from fire club into project mayhem yeah um which, which would have been a more accurate title for the film actually but um and and it, and it gets like oh you know, they're, now they're basically terrorists um uh, you know pranks the terrorists i guess um but, but you know kind of like that 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 is, that is that is not the answer. It's just part of the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, it
0: doesn't... I don't think it has answers to the problems, but it recognises that the answer that, I suppose, like Thailand and stuff is pursuing is very wrong. Hmm. Um, yeah, because I don't think it actually has... Because it recognises the disenfranchisement and everything, but it doesn't actually have an answer for it. But it's saying, this is not the route to go, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, that... As I said it earlier, that, that middle middle children, we are the middle children of, of mm. history. And I guess that isn't just a Generation X thing.
0: I suppose, yeah, millennials too, maybe, because it's like, I think, oh, God, I'm going to get the line wrong now. But doesn't uh, Tyler say to the men in the back, like, you, you're not millionaires, you're not movie gods, you're not rock stars. So I remember thinking last night that he says, you're not a rock star to Jared Leto who of course <laughs> is a rock star yes. <laughs> which I, which i thought was uh, quite neat and then you know they are not they don't have what was promised to them and i think that younger people today also feel that way yeah. especially like with like covid era like they're coming out of university to like no jobs and yeah. no prosperity so i think it really connects in that way still
1: mm. here's the quote here's the quote i've actually I, I, i'm this isn't from emory i'm looking at it right now but let's okay. let's have the quote in full because this is this is great. This is just great writing. I mean, so, is, yeah. so this is Tyler talking. So man, I see in Fight Club the strongest and smartest men who have ever lived. I see all this potential and I see it squandered. God damn it, an entire generation pumping gas, waiting tables, slaves with white collars. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate so we can buy shit we don't need. We're the middle children of history, man, no purpose or place. We have no great war, no great depression. Our great war is a spiritual war. Our Great Depression is our lives. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars, but we won't. And we're slowly learning that fact, and we're very, very pissed off.
0: So. <laughs> it, is, it is good writing, but that is yeah. you know that sums up the disenfranch. Just yeah. I can't I can't talk now, Dan. After you said you can't talk, anyway. yeah, it exactly. The, All these long words we're trying <laughs> to use, we're
1: just butchering yeah. these long words. Disenfranchisement. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Got it, it, sums out.
0: it up perfectly. But that's what I mean. I feel that like that represents the younger generation too. Like you need know the shit you don't need. Like I'm in my living room now, which is just full of shit I don't need. To mm. be honest, um, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and and also the way technology is kind of prepped into our lives and and it's supposed to make things easier but actually you find with each thing that you have that's supposed to make life easier there's there's every chance it just makes things more difficult in a small way by adding extra layers of <laughs> it's like in order to do this thing i need to use this little piece of technology oh hang on a minute there's a problem with it i can't remember the, whatever i can't remember the yeah, password yeah. Uh, what's the password get it wrong three times oh I'm locked out oh you and know. then
0: there's like two factor authentications and like to get onto one thing on my laptop I have to also try and do it on my phone and yeah it's just
1: exactly and then you find yourself <laughs> raging you know and you're just like where you weren't five minutes ago you were absolutely fine suddenly you're you're in 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 that sort of like frustrated yeah. rage and I'm not saying that's what it's not at all really what fight club is about <laughs> 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 but it is that sense of it's kind. Of, the truth is, I mean, I, and I think this is probably true of everybody forever, perhaps. That you're actually you're never satisfied. You you can you can get everything that you ever thought that you wanted, and then you'll realize that actually you don't feel any better than you did before.
0: Yeah, but I think that's why I think we connect so well to the narrator because he's just sick and tired of his mundane life you know when he's just sat in the office and he's saying about his flat and it seems like he should have everything he wants but he just he just doesn't because hmm. i think you need that sense of connection with the narrator to fully you know immerse yourself in that world and sort of see why he would join a fight club and you know this sort of side come out of him through tyler hmm. yeah
1: yeah well i mean not just join a fight club Create
0: one. <laughs> create one, well yeah. I mean create by, many. <laughs> by,
1: by by punching himself in the face, which which is is a good metaphor. That's extreme.
0: Yeah. I mean yeah. Yeah.
1: Um but yeah, I mean that's obviously that's all the, the 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 under the hood stuff which which the actual whatever sorry to use a car going to a car metaphor, I'm not at all into cars, but yeah, that that's what's sort of like that's the purring engine beneath everything. But man, this film has a beautiful chassis, doesn't it? <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like...
0: I feel that what asking someone what is Fight Club about is like such a... You're going to get a long answer. Um, and it'll be different, I think, from people you speak to as well. Because as you say, there's like so much to it.
1: Yeah, 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 there is, there is. I kind of... It is... I, I, I feel it speaks a little less to me these days, perhaps, than it, than it did at the time. Um, not, not in the sense of what it says about the world, but maybe what it says about about me as a person. So I can kind of see why maybe people who were my age when it came out were a bit more critical of it. And mm. um, in, 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 just 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 in the sense that I don't know. I kind of weirdly, it's almost like Bill and Ted Face the Music says more about me now than than Fight Club says about me now. <laughs> You know, for sort of like as a generation X, I, I, I kind of like the the I, I kind of like this kind of idea of at the time, sort of like Fight Club is is feeling is for for people sort of like you know feeling like the world owed them something. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? I'm angry. And, and and then fight <laughs> fighting to get what they're owed. Whereas you know something like when you watch the Bill and Ted face the music, it's just like actually the world never owed you anything, and. You just just got to realise that, and and actually, mm. that th- it's, it's, it's about other people. It's not about you. Um, but but Fight Club kind of it ends, you know, very much. It's still all about me, even at the end. You know, mm. it's 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 all about two me's for most of it, and then it goes, it strips back right down. It's it's kind of like the, the last line is, "You've met me a very strange time in my life." Still so about you, me. So you've got a me yeah. and a my in that last line. So it never really it does sort of it it, it leads you on that sort of like, like the end of the graduate where the 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 you know the you know the, the the man and the woman side by side and they they they're going somewhere but actually they they don't really know where next what actually what does happen now and fight club ends on that exact same note so you never really sort of you never get past that. It always exists. The whole film exists in that bubble. We never really leave that brain that we see in the in the opening sequence. Mm. So it's it is it's it's it is hermetic. It is it is a very contained experience where there's so much going on. You know, it's like I don't know, it's like one of those plasma balls. You know, with all the kind of like the flashing yeah. lights and that it's but, very but, loud but, in yeah. your
0: face like screaming at you from yeah. the start as well with those credits yeah
1: yeah exactly there's so much going on but i, I don't think it necessarily gets outside of itself either does that make i, I don't know perhaps i'm getting...
0: No it, it makes perfect sense yeah
1: yeah so so that's and that's not really a criticism of it because i just i think films don't have to do that necessarily um and that's what i just i just think it is it is better as a snapshot of its time, even though there's a lot about it that still feels relevant now. Um, but then I am again—I'm speaking of someone who was 25 when it came out, and very much is not 25 now. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that—that's that, that It will it, never cease to interest me. This film, I think, it never ceases to fascinate me
0: no and it is one of those that the more you watch it the more there is like it's like layers like like an onion like shrek you know there's layers that you unpill like on each watch as well
1: yeah yeah i, I fight club is like shrek i wasn't expecting yeah. that uh well, but yeah you know,
0: they have onions have layers ogres have layers yeah mm. yeah yeah
1: uh, <laughs> absolutely right um I mean, I would say one. there's one great element of Fight Club that tends to get overlooked, sadly, and it shouldn't, and that's Helena Bonham Carter.
0: Marla Singer. See, I love her. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, so I just... I, I like, I obviously, I like women on screen, and maybe I don't connect as well with the masculinity on screen, but I feel like she is an unsung hero. Yeah. In it, because she is... The narrator doesn't realise it until the end, I suppose, but she is really the answer to his problem about lack of human connection. Like, he thinks fighting's the way to do it, but actually Marl is there the whole time. Yeah. And she is the way he connects, or should be connected.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, she is she is the ironic salvation, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, for someone who's suicidal. Um... And
0: yeah, so obsessed with death as well. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I, I um, was reading earlier, because we were talking about election earlier, but they wanted Lisa Witherspoon for it. Because uh, I can't not see Bonham Carter in the role. Right. No. Because um, she just embodies it so perfectly.
1: Yeah, Witherspoon was definitely too young. Yeah. Uh, if you consider that, yeah, the election was the same year. That would have been a bit, hmm. <laughs> some of the same yeah. in this film. <laughs> with Lisa <laughs> with- Witherspoon at that time, no. No, thank you. Um, but, um And It was also a big film for, um, I don't know, is it Carter or Bonham Carter? For Bonham Carter's career, because before Fight Club, she was not really seen much outside of, you know, costume dramas. Um, Merchant Ivory stuff, Wings of the Duff, you know. She was typically Mm. in those, you know, frock frock movies. Um, And I don't think... I'd seen her do an American accent in a film before this movie. No, I don't think I did. And yeah, and then after this, it things really changed for her. She you know she was given a broader range of of opportunities and roles, and and and, and got to show what she could do uh, a lot better. Um, so, and and that's again, we, we, it's so easy to, to for her to get lost in the mix of talking about you know Pitt and Dalton. You know this very kind of rowey experience but actually she's an essential part of the story and deserves to be highlighted Definitely.
0: yeah i, I agree as a she's sort of i like how she's an, an enigma like you really don't know too much about marla throughout except for mm. she has this sort of yeah she's suicidal this weird sort of obsession with death but you know she's she's the only one i think who also sort of sticks to her, her ideals throughout as well like even though they are a bit wacky yeah (laughs) she um she constantly stands by who she is yeah like she knows who she is and she's proud of that
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: but is she proud of it she also calls herself infectious toxic waste doesn't she but maybe she recognizes who she is then
1: yeah certainly she's you know not not uh well she knows yet she knows who she is because literally the narrator doesn't because that's the whole point of the story
0: yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) So
1: yeah, she's she's yeah she's an important sort of I don't know through line if you like for the whole thing, um, and then of course you've got meatloaf, yeah, who who Bob, yeah, poor old Bob. His name is Robert Paulson. Mm. Um, he's really good again, and he was a complete surprise. It's like meatloaf's in this, all right. But yeah, he's he's great, and then of have got little Jared Leto as you mentioned earlier. Mm. not really not actually looking like himself at all no it's funny because he's in it but you kind of forget that he's in it because you don't really see him um he he came back for fincher in um, panic room mm. and and he's a lot more yeah okay that's jared leto but it's funny how 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 unrecognizable he is in this and it's, it's quite a small role and he's obviously the the object of the most violent scene
0: yeah, which,
1: which got he cuts. really
0: gets punched in.
1: Yeah, well, that, there, there were cuts to that. Uh, the BBFC.
0: Oh, interesting. In
1: on the in the British version of the film, the theatrical release of the British version of the film, that scene is a lot shorter, or was a lot shorter. Uh, they took quite a lot out of it, but then that, then they get, they went back in for the DVD
0: release. It's the only time I winced during it in terms of that the violence. Like I can't look at that scene because it yeah. just. It's very sore. But that's the only time I... It's not shocking violence, as you sort of said earlier, but it's, it's the one that made me wince a bit in pain.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and again, he's even more... Sorry, he's even less recognisable as Jared Leto after that scene, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and there's also another little kind of... If for fans of um, Mindhunter, yes. Holt McCallany is in a very small role in Fight Club. So he's the guy who... Um, When they're given the assignment to go out and uh, start a fight with a complete stranger and lose it, he's the guy that um, is spraying the uh, priest
0: (laughs) with the hose.
1: And he's he's also like with the his name is Robert Paulson. You know, he's he's one of he's, he's very prominent in that scene. So he's one of the Project Mayhem guys. Uh, not a big role, but it's kind of nice to see him there, and then knowing that he's he's going to come back and work with work with Fincher more later. Mm. Um, but for all the you know, there's all these interesting people in the cast and everything. But yeah, it's it's it does boil down to that that sort of that threesome. The so trio, just, yeah, yeah, the trio. Although of course they're just a duo, but yeah, we didn't know that until yeah. the end.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think Bon and Carter and um, Edwin Norton do really well as well because you know, Brad Pitt is, like, Tyler, like, the whole point of his character is he is so in-your-face and so loud. Um, like, their roles are... I mean, they're not quiet characters, but they are quieter compared to Tyler. So it's, you know, it's good that they still shine through, I think, because working next to Brad Pitt's, like, outrageous Tyler. Yeah. You know, for to get a bit of the attention. But I do really like Brad Pitt as Tyler. As I said earlier, I think it's his um, best performance, because you know, he... I can see the appeal of the character, and because mm. also like he does sort of draw you in with his charisma and stuff. But you know, like considering he is incredibly violent, <laughs> um, uh, you need that sort of typical Brad Pitt charisma to sort of balance it out. He's always got an edge. Yeah. Uh, he's
1: always got a kind of you, you are a bit scared of him. He's kind of like the um...
0: intimidated. Yeah.
1: Sort of a school bully thing going on as well. That sort of you're, you, you know, you're my you're my best friend, and and you better stay my best friend, or, or you know, <laughs> or I'll do something really horrible to you. That kind of you know that sort of insidious bullying, rather um, rather than the more obvious giving you lunch money kind of bullying.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting that um, like on the first watch, like he is more charismatic than on, when you watch it in the second watch, and you realise who he is like, I feel like the manipulation of the narrator comes through a lot more. Mm. And you can, because I think, because you know, obviously it's in his head, like it becomes really obvious, like how much Tyler is manipulating the narrator mm. or, you know, that side of the narrator, I suppose, because they are the same person.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, ag- again, when you're talking about you know, modern resonances that you can see that idea of, of this, this this person that sort of like says, hey, I'm your friend. I understand why you're unhappy with your life. I've got the answers for you, and ultimately, what they're actually just trying to make the world a worse place uh, to feed their own ego. Um, and you know that's kind of that's 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 what he is: unbridled yeah. ego, uh, like you know certain world leaders think <laughs> of at this moment in time. Uh, so, so there you go. I said it. Tyler Durden is Donald Trump, except much better dressed and much better looking.
0: Very, yeah, much much better looking.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I, I kind of like that. again the look of the look of Tyler is just great. That seventies red leather jacket, which oh, it is know, fantastic, and the choice of red for the jacket as well—it's like danger, danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but also get your attention.
0: But I suppose the way the characters are shot so differently as well. Tyler and the narrator, like the narrator, what he wears is very grey. Like he's shot in a very very grey world, mm. I and mean, when Tyler's there it's much, it's much more like destructive. Like the house is very torn down and obviously you've got the underground basement and um, like the walls being destroyed around it, but also it's a bit like louder and a bit brighter as well because it sort of reflects his energy, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have to say actually Norton's performance in this film is amazing too. Yeah. Uh, he, again, he's someone, he like like Pitt as well. He absolutely keyed into the material. He, he, you know, read the book read the script totally got totally got what he was doing you know he totally got that it was first and foremost a satire um, mm-hmm. but but plays it straight but then also kind of like a lot of the comedy comes from him from his sort of you know weary insomniac kind of sleepwalk through the film but is that yeah
0: that sort of drone and that drone in voice that narration as well yeah. which immediately sort of I Suppose reflects like he thinks his life's mundane, but also, as you say, the sort of insomnia like nature to the film. Like that, I forget how much that narration wants to make me sleep yeah. <laughs> every time I watch it. I forget how droning it is,
1: yeah. But it's a great narration as well. Like, you know, I am Jack Smoking Revenge, those kind of things, the way he delivers lines like that. Mm. Um, and then I just think that the amazing scene was where he beats himself up in front of his boss, boss uh, Zach, Zach Grenier, uh, playing the boss, and that is a um, good scene. Uh, yeah, That's that an amazing scene, and it's great because it's it's slapstick comedy, but the most disturbing and distressing.
0: Dark, yeah, yeah. slapstick comedy. <laughs> I think it's darker as well because he's sort of presented to us as like a, as an everyday man. Um, obviously, he's not an everyday man, but you know, he is. I think initially presented in that way.
1: Hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, he is. Yes, he is, he's is that every man so much so that he doesn't even have a, have a name. Um, I'll tell you another thing I loved about the film, uh, and again, this is very much of his time, I loved the fact that it had a very modern, cool, sort of different soundtrack. Mm. The score by the Dust Brothers. That sort of breakbeat style and sampling and electronic and that rather than it being a sort of like classic orchestral score. Um, And I thought that it really worked.
0: Yeah. You needed something different for that vibe. It's very modern as well. But Fincher, I think Fincher, just he's so spot on when it comes to music. Like, is it Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross who he works with on social network and stuff? Like, that's one of my favourite scores ever. Um, But I forgot how good the Fight Club score is because it's famous for the Pixies song at the end, you know, Where Is My Mind? But actually the whole as you sort of so like the whole music is great.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and it just gave it a, a sense of identity which, which, which roots it in the time but actually doesn't date it. It doesn't feel dated looking back at it no, now. No, I don't
0: think it does. And, and in a weird way, no. I'm,
1: not, I'm not saying that the, the Dust Brothers are the equals of, of Simon and Garfunkel but it does the same kind of job that Simon and Garfunkel did for The Graduate which is to say this is kind of this is the sound of the time it's an iconic sound so so yeah you're you're like it doesn't matter it it roots it in 99 but it should be rooted in 99
0: which is what you were saying earlier about generation x like it is very much a film reflective of that particular generation at that particular time
1: yeah yeah absolutely and i think the the music really helps with that so it's kind of it is just like one of those movies where it's like total filmmaking to 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 use a slightly awkward phrase, but it's like everything, the whole package works. Everything yeah. like like yeah. the d like the DVD the original like the DVD cover was was like a package tied with string, and and it feels like that. It just feels like a really neatly packaged product that everything's working just perfectly visually you know the cinematography the, the use of yeah. visual effects the way that they're used the obviously the direction the the, the music the performances just just everything I mean uh, you know I I, I I can't prove this but I bet you the craft services on that production were just perfect <laughs> they would they, they would just I can just
0: see write. it being like really because it feels like a grubby movie when you look at it it feels yeah. like you know how Seven feels like it's covered in like an inch of like sort of grime it feels the sort of same here like a different type of filth but it's still filthy yeah um reflecting that sort of world. so i can imagine there's sort of eating like really dirty burgers and chips Mm. (laughs) on set well brad pitt loves eating food on in his movies yes um doesn't he he's always eating although now i think about it do we see him eat in this one i don't know i don't because he likes to eat in all his films
1: he does indeed
0: 'Cause I was watching Moneyball the other day. Oh, that is a good Brad Pitt performance actually. That is a very good Brad Pitt performance. That's one of his best and he's constantly eating in that film. Constantly. I'm just trying to remember. Do we see him eating in Fight Club? Oh my gosh. I, I I've not like
1: watched it with that in my mind,
0: so I I watched it last night and I don't think so. Right,
1: there you go. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> he is so he is so in shape, maybe, but that is a I know Brad Pitt's openly admitted as well, but he just likes to he likes to eat on screen.
1: Yeah yeah
0: another thing i was gonna say as well about the cinematography is it's interesting that jeff cronin i think i i might have ruined his pronunciation again that's, but um, that's right. it's it's his first film he was um which is amazing when you think about how good it looks on screen um yeah yeah he went he went to work with finch on later movies but um he'd only done music videos before and i do think that music video background does come through yeah as you said, it's very stylised. I don't think it is style of a substance, which I know is criticism aimed at the movie sometimes. But yeah, it is. Yeah, it just looks
1: good. And that happened with a lot of movies around this time. I mean, Aronofsky got that for *Requiem with a Dream*. it's over directed. Um, it's. I don't think. I don't think it's true. But the interesting. No, it, not at all. There's a little interesting fact about Jeff Cronenworth. He's the son of Jordan Cronenworth. Who was... Why is his name familiar? Because he... Okay, you'll tell me. Because he was the uh, original DOP on Alien 3.
0: Oh, didn't he leave yes. the project because he got ill? Yes, yes.
1: Parkinson's disease. Um, so Fincher has actually worked with two Cronenwebs. And I think that's probably... I, I don't know the story, um, of, but I, I imagine he was well aware of, of, of Jeff from his dad and uh yeah. gave him the you know gave him the break on this
0: and um jeff had also done loads of music videos so he sort of had the same background yeah. as Pinch, So i imagine they met now i was just reading jordan did um blade runner as well which is yes. obviously beautiful yes. uh amazing. so his
1: son learned well wow. indeed yeah i know uh, 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 with senior just yeah did some amazing work so uh so yeah yeah it's it kind of a, there was a there was a good a good bet in terms of the in terms of the genes in terms of the DNA there,
0: mm, like father like son. Yeah,
1: yeah. I oh, mean, yeah, so It's just like funny though talking about how, how you know the script and everything. I mean, Jim Alls, who wrote the script for Fight Club, didn't really do anything else. Uh, he did Jumper. Oh, his only other, not, the only other, credit. I've not even yeah. heard
0: of Jumper. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So he did a film called Jumper, which which is. Um, um, Doug Lyman. Um no so yeah Jumper was this sort of odd kind of superhero movie that's not a superhero movie that's about uh, people who have the ability to teleport so it's like like scanners but they teleport the jumpers and, and yeah, sa- okay. Samuel El- it sounds weird yeah Samuel El- <laughs> and they, they've existed throughout history and there's a group of people called the paladins I think they're trying to track them down and get them and it's just not Fire Club basically Uh, at all
0: I thought um, see I thought the guy who wrote Seven had a role in in Fight Club
1: but this is the you're going to get like credited writers and then you're going to get people that like script doctors Andrew Kevin Walker um, that's
0: his name I I was completely blanking on his name wrote wrote,
1: uh, Seven I couldn't tell you for sure whether he worked on the Fight Club script I haven't read that myself
0: I've just looked at it and yeah he did yes he did Uncred- okay. uncredited
1: uncredited
0: uh, as did Brad Pitt and Edward Norton they revised the script too
1: yes yeah that, that's not uncommon or unheard of uh, for example Robert Downey Jr usually you know does a lot of work on the scripts of mm. uh, the films it he, makes he's sense in. since
0: how involved they were as well yeah, yeah. in terms of like as we sort of said earlier they were dedicated to those roles yeah like, I mean they learned how to make soap they, um, did.
1: they did as well as learning how to fight of course of course yeah.
0: <laughs> that's what i was thinking i was like there's not actually too much soap making going on um <laughs> in a film which is advertised with a soap bar right. <laughs> that is one
1: of the grossest moments in any film i've seen by the way where they're stealing they're stealing the human oh the liposuction yeah they're stealing the human uh, fat from yes. the liposuction clinic it really and then they, they try the throwing the it over yeah yeah, and then and it oh. goes everywhere. And I, I actually gacked it a little bit when I was working.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the um chemical burn. I, actually when I said I went set the Jared letter fight scenes the time I went, actually I do wince at the chemical burn as well. Yeah, that's Because um, that looks sore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's gotta hurt. That's gotta hurt. But um but yeah, so yeah, uh, you're always gonna get people who aren't who aren't credited. And I and I imagine Jim Orr's worked on a lot more things than he's credited for because that's just the screenwriter's life that, you know, they'll, they'll do tons of work and stuff yeah. and because of the WGA rules they'll, they'll never get the credit for it. But it's just kind of, it's odd to me that this guy who is who is the credited writer of this film
0: Which is so well written as we sort of said earlier. Which, yeah. The dialogue's quite on.
1: He must have, okay, fine, Andrew Kevin Walker was involved and, and Brad and Ed and all that stuff. At the end of the day he must have done a significant amount of work to make that what it is and to only have one other credit on us on, on a film and for that it's film assolated. to be a a, a a movie about Hayden christensen teleporting
0: it's just yeah, weird it's Wikipedia isn't it? Yeah. has like one line about him yeah that that is strange I want to know the story there now
1: yeah yeah there's, 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 there's got to be something there but I mean it's to be honest yeah. it's, I think it's a pretty normal story which is Hollywood screws over screenwriters. <laughs>
0: yeah. As we yeah, the writer strikes and everything. Yeah. Um so going back to something actually you said about Jumper, uh, superhero film that isn't a superhero film. Fight club.
1: Yes. Yes. No, I actually this was something that on re watching it just last year, it really occurred, it hadn't occurred to me before because of course when the film came out, there wasn't really a superhero genre in the way that we mm. have it now. Um the way that it, like the MCU is dominated and stuff yeah, like that—it's
0: quite defined now. It feels like it's quite defined now. Yeah, I mean, you have stuff, I suppose, like the boys and Kickass and stuff, which then further expands it. But I know what you mean like there's mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Like superhero that's... when someone says superhero to you, they just think Batman, Marvel. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, it has that sort of—you know—there's the guy and he has this alter ego, and and it's just almost like an origin story kind of a feel to it um of course the, the difference here is that the the, the superhero is also the supervillain. yeah he's, he's his yeah. own villain
0: <laughs> our demons are inside us yeah yeah
1: it's, it's kind of like if if uh let's try i'm trying to think of a good example here so if um the actually maybe it's the incredible hulk <laughs> i'm trying to, um edward norton yeah yeah he became the incredible, he, 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 you know, like incredible hulk is fight club two basically uh except <laughs> except it's it's hulk instead of of, of brad pitt but it is that this sort of thing that the, the hero is also the monster so tyler durden is quite like hulk except where whereas the hulk is unleashed id tyler durden is is unleashed ego um in, in in a sense, so uh, so yeah yeah yeah. The, the, so yeah, there we go. It's 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 a it's almost like a dry run for the Incredible Hulk. Edward Norton was just this this was, this that. was just practice for him playing playing the role of of, of Bruce Banner, which which uh, everyone was so happy with. He was replaced by Mark Ruffalo. But anyway, there's there's that's another story. But uh, but yeah, yeah yeah no. But there is that kind of filter and also there's sort of like the fact that Fight Club feels like a big film, like with, with big things happening in it, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's on, a, it's on a large scale. And that that, that, mm-hmm. again, that was one of the surprising things about it, going back to that first part of the conversation. And it's, it's kind of packed with visual effects and everything. It does, it, it has a bit of a superhero movie feel to it. Definitely. Yeah. I think. And not, not overwhelming, but is there.
0: Yeah. Cause it, like, as you said, it sort of didn't make too much money at the box office. It had a strong opening, but didn't. But it it has all the qualities that you would think blockbuster. Yeah. Like Brad Pitt. Yeah. Massive actor. Um, As you said, visual effects. Like, huge story. Yeah, but it's just... It has sort of become a weird cult hit. I mean, you can
1: see why the studio is so worried about it. Oh,
0: because... yeah. It's, uh, it's uncompromising completely. Yeah.
1: They've, they've got this pretty big budget movie that does all this stuff that they think could be sold as blockbuster, and they watch it and they're just like oh my god no this is <laughs> mm. <laughs> this is not commercial what have we done um <laughs> what have we done yeah
0: <laughs> i think it's um interesting that fincher describes it as a coming of age film himself um which i get but i wouldn't have got until i read that fincher considered it that <laughs> if you know what i mean it's like when you read something it's like aha I get that now. Because he's, yeah. you know, an every man trying to find happiness and trying to mature, I suppose. And does he mature? Yeah. Like, he you know, he kills Tyler mm. off in the end, um, which is sort of like the childlike response is the violence. So I get I get where Finch is coming from with that completely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Tyler's the... Tyler's like the, the one saying there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you. It's the world that's the problem. Therefore... We have to reshape the world to what we want it to be, to match us, which is a very immature response to the universe around you. And, you
0: know, thinking
1: about it, maybe it is more, more, more like Bill and Ted Face the Music than I thought.
0: Um <laughs> I, I never thought we'd realise, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe I just had to work through this to come to this this point. But um, so, so that immature reaction to the world, which is, no, everything must come to me. Everything must. Everything else must change. And, and I, I, fine, I'm, I'm going to fight against it to, to, to change it. I'm going to force it. Whereas the normal mature response is actually, maybe I'm the one that needs to change here. Maybe I'm the one that needs to grow and, and, and grow up and move on. And, and that's what, even though you are left hanging at the end, there, there is that, even though it is still all about me, there is that sense that by by getting rid of Tyler by shooting half his face off, uh, the narrator has, has, has made taken that step forward into true adulthood. But the reason I think it doesn't feel instantly like a coming of age movie is because of the age of of, of the narrator. Yes. He's old. It's not puberty. No. Yeah. It's, he's not uh, Benjamin in the graduate or you know, he's not any of the characters well without course who who are you know teenagers or 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 young 20s you know he's well kind of more closer to 30 something so there's 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 that element of. i suppose that feeds into you know that idea of generation x arrested development mm. n- never really growing up never really having to you know do that thing that the previous generation had to do where you just have to draw a line and go i'm not a child anymore i now have to do grown-up things Whereas Generation X is just like you just carry on. You bring you bring your childhood with you and it becomes part of your adulthood. And it's just there with you the whole time. It's not just something you leave behind. Um so so in that sense, it's kind of appropriate that the Gen X coming of age film should be someone who doesn't come of age till they're in their early thirties. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's uh it's a kind of age film but a different take on it. Yeah. And yeah. It's a different take on everything. <laughs> yeah, it's a different I mean people see it as there's elements of romantic comedy in there as well but it's not your typical rom-com obviously (laughs) Uh, because you know he's he's trying to find a human connection he's trying to find a relationship he finds it with tyler as we sort of said earlier but marlo is right there for him yeah um classic love triangle but is it a triangle if it's two people who are the same person and yeah so
1: it's hang on a minute so if it was four people it'd be a love rectangle if it was just one person, it would be a love circle. <laughs> so it's a love... It's it's a love semicircle.
0: Because you think love triangle, but obviously Tyler and Arata are one. So yeah. it can't be a love no. triangle. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's...
1: it's There's, I, there's all that, that kind of... Almost sort of French farce element of the swinging doors of... You know, Marla walking in and out, and 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 Tyler walking yeah. in and out, and that sort of a thing happening. And you know why that's happening because of the conceit of the film, but also it has that that sort of a that sort of a feel during those scenes.
0: Yeah, there's a great scene where um, the narrator's talking to Marla in the I, their their kitchen, I suppose, mm. and you know Brad Pitt's just down the stairs, also talking to the narrator, saying, "Is she saying this? Also, tell her this because um, obviously." Tyler's just in the writer's head, but I know what you mean it's that typical, yeah, sort of rom-com yeah. kind of thing. And
1: then you've got the kind of there's a meet cute, although it's the darkest meet cute you you could ever hope for, um, uh, where they start arguing about which which you know which support groups that they should be gate crashing. Um, yeah. And then you've got the sort of so they don't like each other, and then they get together.
0: or well, they won't they.
1: Exactly, and then they fall out. And then there's a kind of a big event that brings them back together at the end. Which involves lots of running and, yeah, and buildings uh, exploding.
0: <laughs> also, my favourite uh, Fight Club fact, Fight Club fun fact, um, that Marla Singer's number is the same as Teddy's number in, in Memento. So, what phone number? A, yeah, because she leaves him um, his, her phone number. It's the same phone number. As teddies in Memento.
1: Uh, is that just because in films you you can't? I presume have, they can't. Yeah. There's actually there's AM. a specific um, uh, code that's only used for films. Mm. Um, but it is.
0: I just think it's fun that it's
1: yeah, the same number. Yeah. Though. No. Yeah. I, I I was not aware of that.
0: Uh, nor was I till last month. I saw on Twitter the things you learn on the internet. Mm-hmm.
1: And they were only a year apart as well. Memento was 2000, wasn't it? Uh, another film, which which you know, by a filmmaker who gets criticised for over-directing and and putting style over substance. All the best directors are accused of style over substance.
0: Yeah, as you said, Aronofsky. Yeah. Yeah, it
1: goes, goes goes back to Kubrick.
0: And all these filmmakers are inspired by Kubrick too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I think actually Fincher. Fincher's background. I think Fincher worked on Return of the Jedi. So, so yeah, so as well as, I knew knew this, I knew this, of course I knew this, Um, as well as having the music video background, uh, so he worked at Industrial Light and Magic for a bit, so he was an assistant. Oh, the
0: visual effects.
1: Yeah, 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 so assistant cameraman. special effects, sorry. Yeah, assistant cameraman and map photographer. So yeah, he worked on Return of the Jedi and he worked on Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um,
0: oh i didn't know that yeah
1: before he went into advertising where he very famously uh did the american cancer society uh, advert which showed a fetus smoking a cigarette which is (laughs) such a fight club image
0: yeah i was about to say that there are there's a link
1: yeah yeah um and then started doing all the mtv stuff so yeah he, he certainly you know had his his roots in blockbusters, you know, in in visual effects, in, in in that kind of stuff. So um, so yeah, there's uh, there's he does he sort of it, obviously a director like Kubrick is someone that would be an obvious inspiration, but also you know he's just very rooted in that you know big fun popcorn movie kind of a background, and again that really shows through in something in something like Fight
0: Club. Because mm. yeah, whilst there's much to think about, it is. On the surface, just massively entertaining.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, lest we forget, you know, even though it didn't work out well, uh, you know, Alien Three obviously was a big studio film. That was his first, his first movie. So he always thinks big, and he always mm. plays big. Uh, I think whatever whatever subject matter he takes, it's just big. All his films are big. Uh, it's yeah. very hard to imagine him doing a, you know, something. Something smaller and, 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 and more and more intimate, if you see what I mean. Yeah. You just know that whatever he does, it's just gonna it's just gonna be done in a in a big way. <laughs>
0: yeah. Which is why we love him. Yeah, absolutely. Because he, uh, I feel like with Fincher, you do always know what you're gonna not not like what you're gonna get, but as you sort of said, that it's going to be quite big. Yeah. Um, as you sort of said, this is you think Fight Club is peak Fincher, but how do you think um are you a fan of his other work or how is it compared to his other films for you?
1: Oh, it's my favourite Fincher film. Ooh. Definitely.
0: See, I don't know what my favourite Fincher film is because I'm very undecided. So I'm hoping by doing this podcast, I figure it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's. <laughs> I think that should be the that should be your journey,
0: Emily. Because if you ask me one day, it'll be Fight Club. And then it might be Gone Girl. Then it might be Social Network. Mm. Um, he, yeah, and there's probably more I've completely forgotten but he's done. <laughs> yeah, I, on, a, on a Monday afternoon, but was it 11 films now I think. Yes, In, including yes.
1: Mank, which I'm very much looking mm. forward to. But um I would say this, I would say for me second would be Zodiac.
0: See, again, Zodiac class and I just completely forgot yeah. that existed. Yeah. Uh,
1: Zodiac is 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 very good. Um
0: I really like Seven. I just think it's a hard film to feel affectionate for. If yeah, that makes sense because it's so bleak.
1: Yeah, I haven't revisited Seven in a while, so um, I, I would I'd be interested to see that again and see what I think. I, I absolutely you mentioned Social Network. I really love that. Um, I thought Gone Girl was very good, but I haven't rushed to watch it again. Uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was was very good. Was slick, very slick, but I the mater- I actually don't rate the material. So even if David Finch is making it, if you don't like the source material much, then, yeah. then it's not really gonna not really gonna help. And I think Gone Girl is partly that as well. It's just kind of like it. It's very interesting and great performances for Rosamund Pike especially, mm. um, but but yeah, didn't didn't quite you know the material didn't excite me in the same way as Zodiac or uh, or Fight Club. Um, not a fan of Benjamin Button.
0: I haven't seen that yet at time of recording. Okay. I, um, I'm going to watch it um, for the podcast, obviously. Um, it's three hours long, though, so yeah. I really hope I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, it's going to be quite torturous. The, the reason I haven't seen it is because I think it looks like shit. Yeah. Sorry, Fincher.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, to me, it's, it's David Fincher's Forest Gum, which which basically could either be a very good thing for you or or not um because i i can't stand forrest gump
0: i i'm gonna be really controversial and say i watched forrest gump for the first time during lockdown when i'm trying to do my like catch up in classic films yeah. um that i that i've missed and i was let down i thought it was fine i didn't i feel like it's one of those films that everyone's like you gotta love it and then i watched it and i just found it a bit irritating
1: yeah it actively makes me angry that film <laughs> um yeah. through its through its through its portrayal of. Um, modern American history it's is, is, is a very very slanted to the right I would say um, but um, but yeah I, I to me Benjamin Button is kind of like it feels more like a Robert Zemeckis film than a David Fincher film um, mm. in that and, sense.
0: And, and bad Robert Zemeckis not Back to the Future. Robert oh gosh Zemeckis. no 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 <laughs>
1: uh, actually I, I sounded really bad I, I sounded really down on Robert Zemeckis there but actually he's made some amazing <laughs> amazing amazing films uh like back to the like future back to the future all three back to the future's cast away really good um yes yes sorry um it's
0: his recent his recent stuff yeah. i mean i'm not paying 16 pounds to watch the witches because i don't think it's going to be very good so well yeah, yeah. and
1: i i really like the last film version of the witches so mm. so uh and this one doesn't seem massively different from the trailer. Um, but yes yeah, so uh I I'm pretty confident in saying where, where else were we with the other finches so the game we spoke about earlier panic room very slick sort of little little you know domestic home invasion thriller um but not particularly special uh so I just think yeah fight club stands out it's yeah. it's it's, no, it really it's, does. it's 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 the jewel in the finch crown it really is I think Um I yeah, I just without hesitation fight club. Uh and it's certainly one of my favourite films ever made.
0: I yeah, I'm just saying it's um I'd say it's an all time favourite and I've um I watch it a lot and it still doesn't ever get old. Um it's interesting what you said earlier about how you sort of feel like a little less affectionate for it now, um, compared to before. Um I don't know if it's because I'm off that age like 25 no i'm 26 now i keep forgetting yeah, i'm yeah. a year older <laughs> so i don't know if like it'd be interesting to see, i suppose, how i feel about it as the years progress yeah yeah i mean um, I, I kind of
1: yeah maybe I, I i didn't want to say that i'm not as affectionate i still have great affection for it but the, my response to it now is is a little bit more reflective than than, than um uh visceral <laughs>
0: yeah okay i know what you mean yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I feel like it's it's more like looking back through a photo album or something. Um, Speaking as someone who actually still owns photo albums from around the time Fight Club was made, as opposed to everything, just being on, you know, iPhoto or whatever. Um, But yeah, it's kind of more like kind of looking back about how it captured a time, I think. Yeah. uh, Rather than feeling like it's kind of... It's still a very now film, but, but as we said, there's a lot of it that is very now. So yeah, that's I, just, I think that's think just it's, my my, yeah, my personal yeah my personal prism, if you like, just 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 being mm. a because we you know we all we all we all change over the years. So I'm kind of like I'm a slightly different Dan to to the Dan I was when it came out, but uh, but both of them would put Fight Club somewhere in their uh, whatever in their top twenty of best films ever made.
0: Yeah, I think it is often voted as one of the greatest films ever made. You know, in like popular polls. I think Empire even um, voted it in as one of the, yeah in the audience, as one of the greatest films ever made. Top 10,
1: something like that. I can't remember exactly where in the last poll, but yeah, it's, it's high. It ranks high.
0: I think one of my favourite things about Fight Club, just like thinking about it now, is when you sort of hear about it after your first watch, you sort of do the read online, much of the emphasis is on, you know, like the way Tyler's image keeps like flashing up, uh, the early scenes like subliminal messaging Mm. and a lot of the focus is on this sort of toxic masculinity and stuff but actually like there is so much more to it um like that just feels like quite surface if you know what i mean yeah um yeah and there's a lot more like i like i love the way his image just keeps flashing up as he's sort of like developing in the narrator's brain but like i like actually find a way it's shot as you sort of said how they're never on camera like two people next to each other like that's much more interesting to me now um, than like this stuff that I feel like people like talked about.
1: Yeah yeah and I, I think it's I just I think it's a film everyone should see um... yeah I
0: feel like everyone has seen it like, <laughs> which is why I, I don't know know anyone who's not seen it I'm sure they're out there.
1: Yeah well my children
0: <laughs> well yes I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, waiting for that. Maybe you should do what my dad did and just showed it to me when I was definitely too young. <laughs>
1: well, my 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 eldest child is is fourteen, and honestly, he's pretty much fine to show anything now. You know, is this? I, I don't really worry about uh, you know, influence or giving him nightmares or anything like that. Uh, I'd be interested to see what he made of of Fight Club. Um, maybe one day he'll sit and watch it with me.
0: Yeah and as a different generation it'd be interesting to see his response as well.
1: Mm. Yeah that's right yeah he's full on digital native. So yeah. Uh, so yeah.
0: Mm. And it still feels very modern. I don't feel like it's visually aged at all either, um watching it last night.
1: Yeah again that's clever use of VFX where you where yes. you where you're augmenting reality rather than creating reality. And 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 it's less about, like I say, the creation, you know, the, the creation of physical things that are supposed to convince you are, are really there as so much, you know, kind of about the way the camera moves and the way we can journey through through the world. So, uh, so yeah, I don't think there's anything that stands out as glaringly like, that's dated badly.
0: Yeah, yeah. I um, do have a question for you. Go on. Um, And obviously... Podcast is building up to release the man, so that's why I should ask why. Why are you excited for it? Are you excited for it?
1: It's a David Fincher film. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's Fincher. It's Gary Oldman.
0: I love um, Gary Oldman. I'm
1: always I've always got time for Gary. I like a bit of Gary. He's he's he's, he's an amazing actor. Um, and it feels like those two should have worked together before.
0: Mm, uh, well, they were go into? Yes. On
1: seven,
0: I think. I thought that they wanted Gary on with seven, but he was busy doing something else. Mm. Mm. But there's
1: they they are actually connected. There is a social network connection. Okay. Between Fincher and Oldman, do you know what it is?
0: No, I don't. This is why I'm intrigued.
1: Okay, so the dean in uh, social network is played by a man called Douglas Urbanski. And Douglas Urbanski is not actually uh, uh, an actor, or at least his day job is not an actor. His day job is manager to Gary Oldman.
0: Interesting. Uh, uh, oh, I like that. They're
1: actually very close friends as well. They, they, they've been working together, like, professionally for a very long time. Uh, and, yeah. So, so there's a connection there. And uh, Douglas is also producer of Menk. So, or one of the producers of Mank. So there you go. There's, 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 there's definitely, that's probably why in my head it feels like Gary and, and Fincher should have, should have worked, worked together, together before. before. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great cast. Uh, Amanda Seyfried as Marion Davis, yes. of course. Charles Dance, who I love. Um, he is so good. I love Charles Dance. He's uh, William Randolph Hearst. Who, of course, was the the basis for um, uh, uh, Kane, in Citizen Kane, um, which obviously Mank wrote. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, Lily Collins. uh, I really
0: like uh, Tom Burke's playing Awesome Worlds, and I thought he was very good in The Souvenir, uh, Joanna Hogg's movie.
1: Yes, 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 Tom Burke's very good. Um, So, yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of uh, good people in it. Ferdinand Kingsley, he's great. The son of Ben Kingsley, but that should be should be better known in his in his own right. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot of good people in it. It looks great. Uh,
0: bring it on. Yeah, it looks like one of those films which is you're just going to expect quality from hmm. on every level, which is also why I expect from most of well, I say most all of Fincher's work, anyways. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time. Like, I I don't know if this is because I haven't seen Mindhunter because he worked on that in between Gone Girl and this film. But we haven't had a Finching movie since Gone Girl. Um, so I've been wanting one It feels like, yeah, again, it
1: feels like we have because of the, 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 the TV. Yeah. The TV stuff. Um, Which I
0: do need to see. I really need to watch Mindhunter. You do. Yeah, especially do. since I've recently fallen in love with Jonathan Graff thanks to his role in Hamilton. Mm. Um, oh, he's so good so. in it. He's
1: so good in it. He's absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, he's even better in Mind Hunter than he is in Frozen. So of
0: course, he's in Frozen! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Another personal favourite. Yep. Um, absolutely. Oh, and another thing about Mank, of course, Resner and Ross, once again.
0: Yes, yes. Who I think they also did the music for Pixar Soul, um, which is hitting, I think it's Disney Plus now in December. So we're going to get a lot of um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross in December which is always a treat great it's a
1: lovely christmas treat when <laughs> lockdown yeah. ends
0: it is a shame cinemas are now closing i mean at least in england where we are yeah um because i really wanted to see Bank on the big screen it was like plotted out this is when i'm gonna go see it and i can't hopefully when if cinemas can reopen in december they're still showing it you know when netflix are have it on as well mm. um i'd like that yeah Because it feels like, because it's a film about film, I want to see it in a cinema.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too.
0: Which is a shame. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today. Um, It's been great talking about Fight Club, Fincher, Mank, Plenty. We talked about Plenty, Dan. Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Got it
1: got a bit deep in places i mean
0: (laughs) yeah it it got very deep um it's it's a monday afternoon lockdown looms that's the sort of frame of mind that we're in right now clearly yeah um i suppose where can people see more of your work and follow you on social media
1: oh well i'm at dan jolin on twitter um that's the only social media i really do because i don't want to go insane um <laughs> i
0: mean twitter's enough to drive anyone yeah in, yeah like... i just
1: uh, uh you know i i, I kind of I, I i do have a dual life on twitter because i also have the account for my magazine senate so at senate magazine
0: a great and magazine
1: that's that, thank you thank you yeah there's not a lot about film in there but um it's uh it's it's a it's a passion project um about about the other side of my nerdy life um but uh but yeah so so that's kind of my my second identity on on there and uh you can hear me semi-regularly on the empire podcast as well um not so much not so much the main podcast these days i tend to do the ranking podcasts and spoiler podcasts quite a lot
0: mm, i do like the spoiler specials yeah yeah mm.
1: so yeah yeah so that's 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 generally where you can you can find me online and obviously you can you can find me in print Yeah, you've got a
0: great feature in the current issue of Empire.
1: Oh, that was so fun. Yeah, the the Suicide Squad cover feature. Mm. Yeah, I I had the pleasure of uh, speaking with James Gunn and the producers of the Suicide Squad. I think the film looks like, you know, a a, a big, mad bag of snakes. But I think it's just going to be so fun and funny and weird and brilliant.
0: Well, it's the cover uh, feature for this month's empire, empire, and the uh, cover's beautiful as well. Yeah, um, the new issue is out now, and I do recommend people pick it up. I'm going to go read the rest this afternoon. So yes, um, yeah. so well, um, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, Dan. It's been a, it's been great fun. No worries. Thanks thanks
1: for having me again. And uh, so I'll see you for the next. What what we'll be doing next? Cohen Brothers.
0: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, um, this is the thing. It's like I just do what the people tell me with what they want. <laughs> Okay. And also, of course, I need to. I need to like the director too. Okay. So, do you like the Coen Brothers? I have mixed feelings. Really? Mm. <sighs> okay. Okay. I mean, I'd like to do Aronofsky actually. So let's do Aronofsky then. <laughs> I now need to think of an Aberpun So this is this is a this is a challenge. I even like
1: the Aronofsky films that no one else likes. I love The Fountain and I love Noah.
0: See, I haven't seen Noah um again that's a that's a blind spot for me but i really think he's he's an interesting guy much like fincher yeah i'm still dreading watching curious case of benjamin button i will do it one day for the podcast you've got to <laughs> i know i've got to yeah. i've got to well yeah. um, and also
1: you can't complete your journey of making up your mind of yes. what your favorite fincher is until you've seen all the finchers
0: this is true this is uh, yeah this is the journey i'm going on
1: yeah. so yes okay well well travel tra- travel
0: safe <laughs> on this
1: journey, you know, remember stay two meters apart, wear a mask.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> strange times. Wash strange your hands. Times. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, thanks for joining us and I'll see you soon. Thanks, bye bye. That was me and Dan Jolien discussing Fight Club. Join me for the next episode where film journalist Tom Beasy joins me to chat about all things Panic Room. Don't forget to subscribe to his podcast so you never miss an episode and follow us on Twitter too, at The Fincher Takes It. I would love to hear your thoughts on Fight Club and any feedback on the podcast. See you next time.